Well, good morning, Crossroads. Oh, come on now. I've been doing this all summer. We know how this goes. Good morning, Crossroads. There we go. Awesome. It is great to see you guys here today. So for some of you, you know, real good detectives out there, you've noticed one thing different today. I'm not Matt. In case you haven't figured that out, I'm not Matt. So Matt is at a uh, conference in, at Southern and is really enjoying his time. But he could be enjoying it a little more if he was going to the better seminary, which is where I go. Some might even say it's bussin' bussin'. That's for my youth down here at the front. I was challenged to say that in the sermon. For those who don't know what bussin' bussin' means, it just means cool. It's just new language for that. So, but I am thankful to be here today to be able to share this time with you, to be able to share God's word. And I'm thankful for Matt for giving me the opportunity to be able to be here just to talk with y'all. But I also want to thank y'all for the opportunity I've had all summer. I've been able to be here just to be able to serve along with you, just sing along with you, just be able to worship along with you. And that has been a great experience to me. I want to thank y'all for just kind of opening up, be willing to just take me in. Don't know who I was, but you're like, we'll take him in and we'll love him anyway. So I want to thank you for that. So enough about me, enough about all this. Let's um, humor me for a second. Everybody stand up, please. So I would like y'all to stand as we read today's passage. We're going to be in Matthew 28, reading 16 through 20. All right, read along as I say out loud. The 11 disciples traveled to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. Jesus came near them and said, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this opportunity you've given me here. God, I just pray right now that your words would be spoken and not mine. God, show up in a mighty way here. Make me the vessel that you need, God, and speak your truth today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. Y'all can have a seat. Appreciate y'all standing with me because I just really love to have just a reverence for God's word because it is his holy word that he has given to us. And it's just something that I love to see the body of Christ come together and just be present for what he has to tell us. So we're talking about, if you haven't picked it up by now, the Great Commission. So the Great Commission is something you've probably heard before. It's probably something that, you know, you've probably been familiar with. It's something that in Baptist life is really, really familiar. I mean, my seminary, Southeastern, is actually considered the Great Commission Seminary. So if we put so much understanding and like, you know, presence with the Great Commission, we should probably understand what it is. And not only that, let's take a step back and uh, let's kind of figure out maybe what is a, what is a, you know, commission in the first place. So I'm going to give you all a heads up note. I graduated with a bachelor's degree in psychology at the University of Kentucky. So that means one thing, and the youth know this, I love questions. I absolutely love questions. Because here's the thing that questions do. They kind of help us know what we do know and what we don't know. And then when we're presented with that question and the answer to that question, we have to make a choice. We have to make a choice whether we're going to do something about what we know or don't know or not. 
So questions are something that I love to ask. It just helps us really grow in learning and in knowledge. So be prepared. We're going to be asking a lot of questions today about this topic here, because I think that's how we learn. So the first question that I really want us to dive into real fast is, what is a commission? We say the Great Commission all the time, but do we really know what a commission is? So I have the definition of a commission up here on the screen. And it's an authorization or command to act in a prescribed manner or to perform prescribed acts. That's our you know, definition of what a commission is. So when we think of the Great Commission, what is it? It is the command or authorization that Christ has given us, the church, you, the church, to do something. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Because that thing that he's told us to do is to make disciples of all nations. And so today we're going to be walking through what does that mean, right? So, but thankfully we don't have to think about, you know, well, what is the church? Because Matt did such a great job last week of explaining what a church is. So just to recap for you, if you weren't here or if you've forgotten, it's okay. So Matt said a church, a church is those who have a common faith in Christ, those having a common commitment to one another, and those having a common mission to extend the gospel to the world. This is what a church is. And so I want to kind of hone in on that last one. Those having a common mission to extend the gospel to the world. When I read that, my first thing that I'm thinking about is, all right, what's that mission? What is the mission that we are called to? And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And so the questions that come up to my mind when I'm thinking through this mission is first off, what is it? What is this mission that is so important that we are called to as the body of Christ? And the follow-up is, what does that mean for me? What does this mission mean to me? Why does it matter that there's this mission that we're given? And so these questions help us really process what it is that we need to know and what we don't know. So, like I said, I'm, I told you all I'm going to be throwing a lot of questions at you. Here's one that I really want you to process. It should be up on the screen. But this question is, if you lived out the words of the Great Commission in your daily life, what would your life look like? Take a second. Really take a second. If you lived out the words of the Great Commission that we read out, what would your life look like? Now, the second question. How different is that from your life right now? How different is that? Is there a big difference? Is there a little difference? But how different would it be if you actually lived out the words of the Great Commission to the best of your ability? This is what I want us to think through today, is that gap right there between what we could be and what we're doing. So when talking about a mission, sometimes it can be easier to explain what the mission is not. So the mission of the church is not to do good things to get to heaven. That's not our goal. Our goal is not to rack up points, to score enough to get a high score to get into heaven. That's not what we're here to do. It is not at all by anything that we can do to even do anything to get to heaven. It is through Christ alone that we have that ability. So the mission of the church is not to be doing these good things just to try to get in. Now, don't hear me say don't do good things. But the reason we do good things like 
helping the poor, feeding the hungry. It's so that we have an opportunity and an outlet to truly share what is important, and that's the gospel. Hear this also. The mission is not to be liked by the world. That one might be tough to swallow sometimes, especially for someone like me who loves to please people. But our mission is not to be liked by the world. We're not called to be liked. Actually, Jesus multiple times says we'll be hated. That's the reality that we live in as believers. Now, don't make it easy to be hated. Don't be doing things to like make people not like you. Don't hear that either. But our goal is not to be liked. So if we're not liked, that's okay. Because the gospel itself is offensive. The gospel brings offense to people who think that they can do it on their own. They think they can do whatever they need to do to get into heaven. And what we bring is we say, actually, you can't do anything. It's actually, you have no power for that. But it's through Christ alone that that can be. So it's naturally offensive. So we're not necessarily called to be liked. And here's the other thing. This mission that we're on is not to be like the greatest book club on the planet. We're not called to come in here and just read through a book, understand it, talk about it amongst ourselves, and then walk out of here like nothing happened. Or even, not even share people about it. We're not this secret club that wants to hide what we're doing. But rather, we are to be doing the opposite of that. So think of it like this. So everybody, does anybody know what the first rule of Fight Club is? Don't talk about Fight Club. That's not the church. It's the exact opposite of the church. What's the number one rule of the church? Talk about church. Talk about the gospel. Share what it is that we do here. So I don't want us to think that we stay here, it stays here, and we're done. The week goes on. But instead, we are to go out. So you've heard me talk about what it's not. You've heard me talk about me. So by now, you're asking this question. All right, Nick. What is the mission of the church? And if you're asking that, you're in the right place. Because now you're asking the questions, and now I'm getting y'all to think. So what is the mission of the church? It's simply this. The mission of the church is to make disciples of all nations. That's it. It's to make disciples of all nations. That's easily seen in verse 19. And we'll go through that more. But, again, question self that I am. I read through this, and I go, okay, I see what he says. But what am, I, all right, what am I supposed to do with this? And the first thing I think about is, all right, what is a disciple? We use that word a lot. Are we talking about the 12 disciples that, are, you know, that Jesus had? Are we supposed to have, you know, find our 12 people here, get them in church, promote them, be like, okay, we have our disciples. Is that what we're supposed to be doing as a church? I don't think so. I don't think that's what he means at all. So to help us out, let's go to Google again, and let's see what the definition of a disciple is, and that is a follower or student of a teacher, leader, or philosopher. So that's Google's definition of what a disciple is. So we see that and we go, okay, a follower or a student. So it's, you know, something very active that we do. It means not just someone who gets in the door and subscribes and then you're done. It's someone that is constantly following or constantly learning. So the definition I kind of put up of what a disciple is, is a disciple is one who rightly understands and follows Jesus, who then shares their faith with others and trains others in how to follow and share their faith. This is what 
a disciple is. It's an active part. It is both sharing, knowing, and then also training, right? It's not just getting him in the door, but a disciple is one who is living a lifestyle that is the Christian faith. And we're all a part of this mission to the church. That, that's us. We are all on this. But furthermore, though, it's not just us that does this mission. It's not reliant on, like, what I do, right? Because the work of saving people and the work of bringing hearts to God is the work of God himself. But thankfully, God has said, I want you to be a part of this mission. I want you to come along by proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. Look, God's just asking us to be faithful. He doesn't ask us to be successful in it. What he asks is, I want you to share. I want you to share regardless. I'm not asking you to, oh, I, oh you know, I've got my 15 people that I got saved. We're good, I'll get in the door. That's not what he's asking. He just asked, be faithful. And in everything you do, share. God will handle the results if you be faithful. So, the next question that comes up for me is going to be, how do we participate in this mission? That's important. What does this mean to me? Why should I care about this mission? Well, easy enough. I should care because as a believer, Christ is the one that commissioned me, commanded me to go and make disciples. So I think I can handle the why should I care. So then my next question is, what should I do about it? So how do we participate in this mission? For that, let's get back into the text. Let's look. So verse 16 with me. So the 11 disciples traveled to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had directed them. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some doubted. All right, I want y'all to hear that last part, right? They saw him, they worshiped him, but some doubted. These are the disciples that had been with him through all of Jesus' life and ministry, right? These are the ones that saw him go to the cross, be buried, and be raised again, and had conversation with him since. And even at the last part of Matthew, some still doubted. And what I want us to hear is this. We must realize that we don't have to be perfect or experienced to partake in this mission. So you ask, how do we participate in this mission? We have to start with this. We don't have to be perfect. We don't have to be experienced. The disciples themselves, they didn't go through, you know, all that seven years of seminary training or like 10 years of pastoral experience. They weren't experts at this. But rather, they were just starting out. Some of them didn't even fully grasp what it was that they were dealing with. And yet, Jesus still gave them this command. He still gave them the Great Commission right after that. So we're also called, as imperfect as we are, to participate. We don't have to be good at this. It actually, we grow as we go. We don't get ready, store it up, and then go, okay, I've got it all down. Now it's time. But instead, as we participate, we learn, and we get better, and we get better. And that's what we got to understand first. That is important that we don't have to be perfect, because thankfully Christ was. But look at verse 18. Why don't you look at verse 18, because Jesus responds to the kind of failures of the disciples. And here it is. Jesus came near to them and said, All authority has been given to me 
in heaven and on earth. What we need to know here is that we must know the one who gave us the mission. It's important. We know the one who gave us the mission. See, the disciples were a little doubtful. So Jesus came up and said, look, all right, let me answer this. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He reassured them. He said, all of it. Ultimate authority has been given to him. And he is now about to commission them. Think about it this way. Let's say you got somebody comes up off the street, and they're like, hey, I need you to pay me 50 bucks. You going to do it? Probably not. You might if you're charitable, but more than likely if you're telling them, now let's say if it's like $500. Probably going to hold on to your wallet there. You're not going to let that $500 go, right? You're not going to do it just because some guy that you don't know, who has no credibility, asked you to. Now think about this, though. What about, like, let's see the IRS comes to your door. I know, that's a scary thought for all of us, for the IRS to come on. But let's say they do, and they say, hey, I need you to pay this $500 bill. Your first thought's going to be, I guess. You're going to do it because it's the IRS. They have an authority over us, right? You're going to do it. But you're also not going to do it probably willingly, probably going to complain a lot. And you might find a way you can get out of it. Now think of this third one, though. What if your parents or someone that you love comes to you and is like, hey, I'm going to need you to give me $500. Now some of us, I know, we're thinking, well, I'd still be just as begrudging as I would with the IRS. That's fair. That's fair. But let's say you love them, whoever this person is. Right? Because we understand we're broken people. Let's say you love them. Right? You're going to be more likely to give that money to them, especially if they have authority in your life. But the difference is you're also going to do it because you have a relationship with them. You know them. You've lived life with them. You see the difference between these three people. The guy on the street, he has no authority and you have no relationship. The IRS may have authority, but you sure don't know the people in the IRS. You sure don't like have a, like a relationship. You don't go to the beach with them. But with someone that you personally know and have a relationship like your parents, there's authority, but there's also this relational understanding of them. And so I want you to understand that's how it is when Christ tells them here that all authority has been given to him. He's saying, look, I got the highest authority. No one gets over me. But he's talking to people who also lived life with him. Right? He's talking with those that knew him, that truthfully knew who he was. That's the people he's talking to. And so I want us to understand that we must know the one. And when I say know, a lot of the times we hear it and we think, all right, I'll have head knowledge. Like, I, I know the stats. Look, I know a lot of sports stats. And I know a lot of sports stats about people like King Griffey Jr., Ray Allen, some of my favorite sports teams that y'all see me wear. I know stats. I know them. But I also don't have a relationship with them. I don't call up King Griffey Jr. just because we have the same last name and say, hey, let's go hang out today. It's not how that works. I wish. That'd be cool, wouldn't it? But it's not how that works. Instead, I don't have that relational knowledge. But if I call up like my friend, I've got a relational knowledge there. We've lived life together. We share with each other. Like I know them. 
So guys, when I say no, I don't mean have this head knowledge of Christ. A lot of people have a head knowledge of Christ. What I'm saying is to have a relational knowledge with him so that you have lived life with Christ. That's what he's calling us here. So how do we participate in this mission? Continuing on. Let's go to verse. Let's go to verse. Oh, that's on me. 19. <laughs> 19. Let's go ahead and look at 19. All right. He says, go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Spirit. So I want us to hone in on that first part of that, right? So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. As I said earlier, verse 19, that right there, that is the mission of the church. Make disciples of all nations. That's what we're called to do, plain and simple. But I want us to talk about that first word, go. So a lot of theologians and very much, much smarter people than me have done a lot of research on this understanding of the word go. So there's really two different ways to kind of understand go here. One is kind of the way that you see it here, go, therefore, and make disciples. This can be understood as like the start of a command. It's, okay, ready, set, go. Start your journey. Start going. Do something. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. But there's actually another way to think through it that works in the Greek. And that's kind of the way of thinking of as you go or while you are going, right? Those two different ways to think about it are important. Because one is a start of a journey, right? Go, start. But the other one is saying, as you go, make disciples of all nations. It's implying that you're already going somewhere. But while you do that, make disciples. See, either way we understand this, it's the same thing. Making disciples of all nations is the important part of that. We are to make disciples. We're to make people who follow Christ, who share their faith with others, and then who train others to share their faith. This is what we're called to do. Whether it's, if you're not doing it, and you've got to start, you're commanded, go, start, do it. Don't put it off. But also, as you're going throughout your life, make disciples. Either way, is just as important because the go is not optional. The go here is not, hey, if, you know, if you've got time today, make disciples of all nations. Or, you know, when the weekend comes up that it's just the right weekend, okay, now go make disciples. The go here is, okay, you are a believer in Christ. Now go make disciples. Everything else falls into place afterwards. That go is not optional. Because here's the thing. That's for all the church. That's for everyone here who follows Christ. We're to make disciples. We're to make disciples of all nations. That's everyone that we meet, right? So you don't have to make it awkward about doing this. But as you go through your life, whoever it is, make disciples. Talk with them about Christ. See, that also goes for the people that you work with, the people that you hang out and play with, but also the people in your family. Guys, we got to start with our families first. If we're not making disciples of those that are in our households, how are we going to be making disciples of anyone else? So we start there, but it also doesn't end there because we make disciples everywhere that we go. Because 
Disciple-making is something that is in the DNA of Christians. Because if it's separated from it, then we're not not acting as Christ has commanded us to. So, the next thing you're going to say is, all right, I get that I'm supposed to. I know that I'm called to do this, and I know who I'm going to take it to. But you're going to look at me and go, Nick, I don't know what to share. I, I don't have, like, the Romans run memorized. I'm not perfect at this. I don't have it all together. How am I supposed to make disciples? Well, Jesus answers that actually in the next, next little section there. So verse 19, let's go back to that again. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Hear that second part. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So we'll talk about baptism a little later. Matt will talk about that as we continue on about the series of the church. But what I want you to hear in that is, what are we baptizing them in? The name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Guys, what's important here is that we must share what we believe. That's what we're called to do here. We're shared to share what we believe. Look, as a follower of Christ, you believe something. If not, how are you a believer? So therefore, you believe in something. You believe in it. So now share it. You don't have to have the perfect words. You don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have the greatest thing memorized. Do they help? Sure. But that's not what you're called to have it all together. But rather, you're called to share what you believe. So, you're saying, well, I, don't, I still don't know like, how to put it all together. Start with where Jesus started in the verse. Start there, and that's what? Simply, we believe... In God, who is Father, who is Son, and His Spirit, who is in unity, one together. Right there in the verse. That's what we believe. At your baptism, that's what you're declaring right there. Declaring that. And in your baptism, you declare the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. See, because we believe also that we are in a broken and fallen world. And that we have disobeyed God, right? That we have sinned against him and we deserve death. And there's nothing that we can do to fix that. There's nothing we can do. But thank goodness the story doesn't stop there. Thank goodness it does not. Because we also believe that Jesus is the son of God, of father, son, and spirit. And he lived the perfect life that we were not able to live. He did that for us. And then he died on the cross for our sins, my sins. And then he rose again to then defeat sin and defeat death. We believe that. Then we also believe that through Jesus' sacrifice, we can be forgiven of our sins. And even better, we have the righteousness of Christ given to us. Take a second there and just appreciate how much, how unworthy we were, and we are still, that he would then die for us, be raised again, and would then take our sin, take it away from us, and even more put his righteousness upon us. How, what amazing grace that he's given us. But we continue on, right? Because we also, we believe in our baptism, we say something like, raised to walk in the newness of life. Y'all probably heard that before. So we believe that we are now raised to walk in this newness of life. 
that through Christ's work on the cross and our acceptance of him as Lord and Savior, we now can walk a new way. We don't have to sin always. Are we going to be perfect? Well, no, of course not. But we also don't have to sin. We have a better way to walk. We can walk as Christ has commanded us. And here's the thing. What's one of those commands? That's what we're talking about here. Go make disciples of all nations. We're commanded to do that. So see, you don't have to have the answer for everything here. But I just walked you through real simply what you believe. I hope you believe that. As, as a Christian, we believe these things. It doesn't have to be complicated about sharing your faith. But rather, it's just share what you believe. That's it. It's not a hard thing to do. It doesn't have to be this awkward presentation that you try to set up. But just as you're having conversation in your life, share those things. Share what you believe. But it doesn't stop there. Let's look at verse 20. So, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. I'll go ahead and stop there for a second. Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. There it is. That's the follow-up to this. Because we now must continue to teach those who come to faith. We continue that, right? We don't stop when they get in the door and say, Okay, you've got your ticket. Cool, good. Have a good life. I'll see you later. It's not what we do. It shouldn't be what we do. But instead, when we, someone comes to faith, comes to Christ, becomes a new believer, we then walk with them still. We say, hey, I know you're new to this. Let me walk with you to show you what it means to be a follower of Christ. Because here's the thing. We're teaching others to obey all that we've commanded. Because I don't know about y'all, but I don't have this perfect. I don't have this following Christ thing down perfect. Not at all. So could I use some help? Absolutely. So I need help. I need someone to walk with me, someone that's been through life more than me, who's walked in this Christian life longer than me and saying, hey, let me show you how this is done. Let me help you and see how this is done. But also, we just said earlier that we're called to make disciples. So at the same time, I should be looking for others to share my faith with, to then hopefully God does the work in them to come to Christ. And then now it's my turn to walk them through what I've been through. See, every Christian should be discipled and discipling. This is the rhythm that the Christian walk is. That we are being discipled and we are also discipling others. This is what it means to make disciples of all nations. Because those disciples, those people that you share, right, that you walk with, what are you training them to do? You're training them to then go make disciples. Look, this is how the the first church started. Thank goodness those 12 original disciples, right, that were with Christ. Thank goodness they actually took what they were told here and shared it with others. Thank goodness they just said, hey, let me tell you about what Christ has done. Let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. And they shared. And And then they kept teaching them. And then those people shared with others. And we get this long line of church fathers, and we can read through all throughout church history. And here we are. Now, in church, because of the work that they have done in being disciple makers. And so I would hate for this to stop here. Let's not stop the line of disciple makers because we didn't want to share our faith. Or we didn't want to 
encourage others in our church to share our faith. Because here's the thing. If we want Crossroads to grow, if we want to be a healthy church that stays vibrant, the, the easiest way, the simplest way to do that is to make disciples. Because if we're making disciples, then they're going to be making disciples. And then they're going to be making disciples. And you see how this exponentially grows. Now, church growth isn't what it's all about here. But what I'm saying is if we want to grow, there's your key piece to it. Make disciples of all nations. Put in that work that Christ is asking us to do. Because again, is he asking us to be successful? No. He said it's up to him. It's up to Christ to do the work in people's hearts. But rather, he's asking you to be faithful to him and proclaim his word. Proclaim the good news of the gospel. Because here's the thing. If we truly believe that this that we have heard is good news, Evangelion, right? If we believe that this is good news, why don't we share it? Why don't we share it? Let me think of it this way. Let's say you get a new job. It's like the perfect job. Or let's say you get engaged, right? Both really exciting times in people's lives. What's the first thing that you do? You tell someone, right? You pick up that phone. You're calling. You might be calling like five people at the same time, two different phones. Like, hey, let me tell you what just happened. You're telling people. It's an exciting moment. And Faith in Christ and the work that Christ has done is way more important than that. Those things are not necessarily unimportant. But what we have here, what we know is way more important. It's eternally important. So why are we not as excited about that? Why do we not just exude excitement for Christ? Let me give you kind of another example to think through this, right? So if any of you either have parents or are parents— that should be almost everybody in the room, right? So if one of those two things happen, right, you can kind of relate with this. So I have, I have a parent. So I, I have parents. Just to make sure we're, we're clear. I do have that. And so if any of you have actually interacted with my parents, specifically my mom, there's one thing that you guarantee you will have a conversation about. It's going to be this guy. Whether I, I know it or not, whether I want it to or not, if you have a conversation with my mom, it's going gonna, it's gonna to end up being about me. She will share. She'll share things that I'm like, why did you share that? That wasn't even supposed to be shared. I literally just told that to you. She's like, I don't know. I was just excited, right? If you talk to any parent, they will just exude excitement for their kids. They just can't stop talking about them. Why is it that we don't have that same excitement about the work that Christ has done, about our Father in heaven who has done the work to save us that we could not do? Why are we not that excited that in everything that we do and everywhere that we go, we're not just exuding just this excitement for Christ? Look, it should be easy for us, for Christ to come up in our conversations. It should be just in the natural part of your day, like, hey, let me just, let me just tell you what I've seen God do. Let me just see the amazing way that I've seen God work. Let me just share with you something that I think is so cool. But we don't. We hide it away. We lock it away. We're like, I don't know. That'd be really weird if I say that, though. They'll think I'm kind of awkward if I really kind of talk like that. 
Or although I think I'm like the super spiritual guy. That's, that's not what this is about. What it's about is to share what we believe and to be training others to be doing that as well. So I love how Jesus ends this command for us, though, in verse 20. Let's look back. So he says, Teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Man, what a, what a just awesome thing for him to say at the end of this, right? Because here's the thing. We must hold to this promise. We're not alone. We are not alone when it comes to making disciples. Look, Jesus knew this was going to be a hard command. Look, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you and say this is super easy. It's not. It's hard. There's a lot of times where you might get ridiculed. You might be made fun of. It might make things awkward. I mean, there are people in other countries who are losing their lives over this. It's not an easy thing. And he knew that. He knew that. And so he said, I'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. Christ said, I'll be with you. I know it's going to be hard. I know it's not going to be an easy thing for you to participate in. But here's the thing. I'll be with you. So I don't know about y'all. If you ever try something new, and, uh, you know, you're kind of like, you're like working it out, or like you're at a job, and you've got like a new thing that you're learning. It is so much better if you have a supervisor over you, kind of just making sure you're doing things right. Maybe this is just me. But I appreciate when I have someone that's like, hey, I'll be with you. I know it's going to be weird, but like, I'll be with you, and you'll learn it. Right? If I was on my own trying to learn something new, I'm freaking out. I'm like, oh, what do I do? What do I do? Uh, do I do this? I don't know. If I break it, what do I call? I don't even know what to do. But when you have someone there, they're like, oh, hey, no, it's cool, cool. Just hit that. You'll be fine. Or no, just press that. You'll be fine. It's good. There's a comforting presence to having something with us. How much more comforting is that the God of the universe, who said all authority has been given to him, says now at the end of this hard command, I'll be with you. Always. To the end of the age. I'll be with you. I'll walk with you. Because here's the thing. We talked about it. It's a relational knowledge of knowing Jesus. He's saying, look, I'm walking with you anyway. Let's do this together. Because he's like, I'm doing the work in saving lives. I'm just asking you to be faithful. I'm just asking you to walk with me, to be a part of this work that I want to do. Look, I know it's not going to be easy. But man, we need to hold on to that idea that we are not alone, and that Christ is with us, even to the end of the age. Let me start to kind of wrap up here, but I want us to think about a body of water. So what's the easiest body of water that we think of around here? Lake Barkley, right? It's right down the road. We think about Lake Barkley. So I, when we talk about this idea of sharing our faith, of making disciples, there's really kind of three types of people kind of in reference to said you know, body of water, Lake Barkley. So we've got our active swimmers. We've got our, those that are just being stagnant. And we've got those that aren't in the water yet. We all know those people. We know those people that get in the water and they're gone. They're swimming. You're like, I don't even know where they went. They're gone. We also have those people that they get in that water and they're like, I'm going to sit here. I'm going to do nothing. I'm just going to sit in the water and enjoy. And then we also know those people like, I don't know. I don't know about that water. I don't, I don't. It looks kind of weird. I'm just going to stay out here. I'm going to like admire it, but I'm going to stay out here. So there's three different types of people when I want to think about how we respond about this. So first, let me talk to those who are my active swimmers. 
These are those who are making disciples now, who are doing the work, who are following in this command. I want to sincerely look at y'all and say thank you. Thank you for doing what Christ has commanded of you. Thank you for faithfully following along with him. Thank you for that. And be encouraged because what? We just said, he'll be with you always, even to the end of the age. He'll be with you. Be encouraged. It's going to be rough. He knew that. That's why he's going to be with us. And even more, not only is just he with you, he's with you and he told us at the beginning of the verse, what? All authority has been given to him. If all authority has been given to him, what are, we, what are we worried about then? If he's got it all covered and he's with us, I feel like you put those puzzle pieces together and we're doing pretty good, aren't we? We've got the one who is in charge of everything who said, yeah, I'm going to give you a task, but look, I'm going to be with you the whole time. I got it. I got it all worked out. It might be rough, but I got you. Man, what an amazing thing, and I want you to be comforted by what he said. Now, to talk to those who are kind of my stagnant swimmers, those that kind of just want to sit in the water, those that like to say, okay, well, I'm here, I'm in, but I'm not going to do anything. Look, these are, these are, these are y'all that are not making disciples. These are people who are not making disciples, who are like, yeah, I mean, I got baptized. Like, I'm in the church, I'm a believer, but you're not doing what Christ has commanded. Look, there might be different reasons why. I'm not going to assume, whoever you may be, why your reason is. But there's three main reasons why. And let me talk to those three reasons, those question marks that people will say. So maybe you like, well, I'm scared. I've got a fear. I'm worried. Well, what if people? What if they? What if? What if? What if? Let me answer that one real quick. And it's the same thing that I said for encouraging those that are doing it. All authority has been given to Christ. What, what if are you worried about if Christ has got it all handled? So don't let fear stop you from sharing your faith. God's got it handled. He just wants you to be faithful. He's not, and don't be worried about failure, because here's the thing. Results aren't up to you. They're not up to you. It's not up to you doing anything. But rather, it's up to God doing the work. He's just asking you to be faithful. So don't be scared. There's no reason to be scared, because all authority has been given to him. And he's with you. Now, you might be saying earlier, like, well, all right, Nick, I, I get all this call, but I don't know what to say. I think I've answered that. Share what you believe. Share what you know, what you hold to as a believer. Share it. Share it in whatever way it comes up natural. Share that. Look, you're like, well, what if I'm not good at it? Great. God can work in you not being good. God actually works probably better in your weakness. Because when you're like, oh, I've got it all handled. I've got it all together. That's usually when he's like, well, I can work in that. That's a little harder to work with. And then where's the glory end up trying to go? To yourself. Look how well I memorized this. Look how well I presented this. But that's not what God's calling us. God actually loves it when he's like, hey, you're not good at that. Cool, I want you to do that. Because what? When, when it does happen, when God does the work, where does that glory go? It doesn't go to you. It goes to God. Where it's deserved to go. So don't let ignorance be a reason why you don't share. Because look, you know something. You believe something. You are believers. Share what you believe. Don't let that stop you. And this last one is the saddest one, I think, in my opinion, of, of why people don't share their faith. And this one's apathy. 
Some people be like, I just don't care. Or why should I care? Why should I care? Why should I worry about it? If God's got it all in your hand, well, he'll figure it out. Why do I have to be a part of this? Why would I really worry about, you know, making the day weird so that, you know, someone can know about Christ just to turn me down? Apathy is the saddest of all of these guys. Because that's saying you don't care about anybody. You don't care about those who God has called you to love. I want you to consider this quote. It's from a well-known magician and well-known atheist, Penn of the group Penn and Teller. And he said this, and I quote, I've always said that I don't respect people who don't proselytize, share their faith. I don't respect that at all. If you believe that there's a heaven and a hell, and people could be going to hell or not getting eternal life, and you think that it's not really worth telling them this because you really, you know, make it socially awkward, an atheist who think people shouldn't proselytize and who say, just leave me alone and keep your religion to myself. How much do you have to hate somebody to not share your faith and proselytize? How much do you have to hate somebody to believe that everlasting life is possible and not tell them that? I mean, if I believe someone, believe the shadow of a doubt that a truck was coming at you and you didn't believe the truck was bearing down on you, there's a certain point where I tackle you. And this is more important than that. Guys, that's the words of an atheist. That's the, that's the words of someone who staunchly says, I don't believe in God. I don't have nothing to do with Christianity. And yet, how much truer can those words ring? Because even he acknowledges, this is more important than life or death of someone getting hit by a truck. This is more important than that. How much do you have to hate someone to say, hey, I got a way for you to get out of this, but I'm just not going to share it? Because you're scared? Because you don't care about them? Man, guys, please don't be that third category. Please don't. I, I'm, I'm begging you, don't be apathetic about sharing your faith. Because, man, how sad is that? That, yeah, you get, maybe get through the doors of heaven, and then you have to talk with God. And he's like, hey, why did you not care about the people I put in your life? I set these people up, and you just said, no, I don't care about them. And now they might be spending their life in hell. Separated from God, never being able to be in the relationship that we have. Man, how sad is that to just hate someone that much? Look, we're called to love as Christians. And sometimes we might say, well, no, I'm being loving by letting them do whatever they want. I'm being loving by saying, no, 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 you do whatever you want. I'm not going to share. I'm not going to, like, put this in your face. Is that being loving? Is that being loving to let someone just get hit by a truck? They're like, oh, but it'd be inconvenient if I, like, told them that there was a truck. And then they're like, well, they don't believe me. Well, I guess I'm just going to let it go. Is, is that loving? No. That's like the exact opposite of loving. Like I said, that is, that is showing true hate for someone. If you say, I have a way out, and I never want to share it with you. I never want you to know how good it can be with Christ. So guys, please, please, please don't be that third category. But really, I want, all, I want the church, us, the body of Christ, to be those active swimmers who are doing it day in, day out, in all of our rhythms of life sharing our faith, sharing what we believe. 
And so I said there was a third category, right? So to those of you that are out of the water, looking at it, I'm saying, I don't know. God wants to have a relationship with you. God loves you. Christ died for people. So, come to him. Come talk to anyone here who is a Christian, who's a part of Christ. Come talk to us. Come talk to me. I would love to have a conversation with you about what God has done. And what a better time to talk to someone about Christ and a message about talking to people about Christ. What a better time to do it. People are the most encouraged and excited about it. But come to him. He wants you to be in relationship with him. He wants to be in that relationship with you. So come into the water. Come talk. So let me close with this. All right, I want everybody, hang with me. One more weird thing I'm going to ask y'all to do, and then I'll get off the stage, I promise. I want everybody to close your eyes. It's okay, we'll be comfortable, I promise. I'm not going to do anything weird. Close your eyes. Think about what is going to be in a hundred years. hundred years from now, think about it. Possible cool tech, all of the fun stuff, your sports team actually winning that year, you know, something like that. Something, what is going to happen in a hundred years? Okay, everybody got that picture, thinking about 100 years from now? All right, you can open your eyes again. Tell me what's not going to be there in 100 years. Yeah, you, me. Most of them are not going to be here in 100 years. That's not being bored, that's just being real. We're not going to be here. So tell me this, what's going to matter in 100 years? Is it going to be the cool things that happen, the money the social status you had, whether you were socially awkward in this situation or not? No, those won't matter. What's going to matter is two things. How did you respond to the, to the question of who is Jesus? And then the other one is going to be, what did you do for his kingdom? What did you do for his kingdom? That's what's going to matter in 100 years. So let me, let me ask this final question, and then you'll be like, oh, I'm so glad he's done with questions for the day. My final question is this. What have you done and what will you do for the kingdom? Let's pray. Lord, I just thank you for this day. I just thank you for, just for, for the amazing grace that you show us, God. I thank you that for just dying on the cross for our sins, being buried and raising again to defeat sin, defeat death, so that we can be in relationship with you. God, I pray now that you just encourage us today just to want to share our faith. Share what it is that you have done for us. God, give us that joy and confidence that you can only bring so that we can let the nations know who you are. God, that we will show love by telling them the reality of life and what you have done. I just want to thank you again just for your presence here and just for doing the work that you do in our lives. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand, and we're going to sing the chorus and a verse and a chorus of Jesus Paid It All just to oh, thank you. That was awesome. What a beautiful reminder that we don't have to do it all on ourselves, that Jesus has already done it. And we can just walk and share in that freedom. And when we can talk about 
what he's done in our lives. That comes easy because no one can really dispute that. And we bring all the glory and praise to him anyway. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. And when before the throne I stand in him complete, Jesus died my soul to save, my lips shall still repeat, Jesus paid it all, all to him I Sing that again, Jesus. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. He washed it white as snow. He washed it supper is really a time of remembrance uh, reflection I'd like to share a little bit of something that occurred and happened to me this week um, I was walking through the construction site at school and uh, there, it was Wednesday or Thursday whichever day was really hot and there were a couple of guys uh, that were working and they were complaining and they were really hot and fussing and as I got closer to them, I heard one of them tell the other one, it's hotter than hell out here. And as I got right beside them, kind of, one of them kind of looked at me and he said, what do you think, buddy? And I really didn't know what he was asking, but I know what I told him. I said, today wouldn't be a snow day in January as to what hell's going to be. And it occurs to me that Every last one of us in this room deserves all the punishment that hell has to give. But, and there's a but, we have a loving Savior that allowed his body to be broken. He allowed his blood to be poured out to pay a sin debt that none of us could afford. And so... As Christians, and you know if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Christ, I encourage you to take part in this with us. You're more than welcome. But if you're not a Christian and you don't know, I'd encourage you to observe. I respectfully ask you that. But what I'd like for you to do right now, if you would, is everybody in here bow your head, please. 
And if you're Christian, this is a perfect time to take a few minutes to reflect, to ponder of what Christ did for you in your life. Maybe there's sin that you need to confess to him. But what I'd really like to do, if you're sitting here lost today and you don't know, you don't have a clue, now is the perfect time. There is no more perfect time than this moment right now for you to ask Christ into your life, to confess that sin that you have in there that separates you from him, and ask him into your life to be your Lord and Savior. And I'd beg that you do it now, because you may not have tomorrow to do that opportunity. First Corinthians 11 says, For I have received from the Lord what I also deliver to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the, right, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink in remembrance of me. In this supper we are reminded and receive all that is ours in Christ and faith. We close this service together with a benediction, a blessing for the road to receive this promise from 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.